When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First hand here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yermin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Hello there. Welcome to another New Spurs Order podcast under the Touchline Fracker banner. This is going to be a late recording for us, so apologies if we sound downbeat, drag, down in the dumps. Uh, it's not just because our team have lost two in the bounce, it's just because we are recording super, super late. Um, just myself as a host, X-Pac, aka O-Dog, aka Owen, that middle nickname will definitely catch on. And joined, I'll be joined. There you go. Told you I was tired. By my lovely co-host Booker T, aka Tope Tops. How you doing, Gaffer? What's going on? What's going on, Owen? You good? You good? The knees looking strong. Yeah, doing doing what I can to keep myself uh, fit and strong. Uh, slowly trying to work towards getting back, but yeah, can't really complain. That almost sounded sarcastic as well. Apologies if it did, but no, it's okay. No, no, it's no, mate, the, no, no. See it no, get the gloves on as well. Yeah, mate, it's... Uh, get some of that it's... anger out for Tottenham's form, punching that bag. 
<laughs> oh man, uh, I haven't had this feeling in a long time, but uh, listen, this is where we're at. It is where we're at and we've got to do what we can, especially when you're on back-to-back L's going into an international break, even though the international break actually kind of helps us, but we'll get into it. We're off the back mm-hmm. of a loss to Wolves, aforementioned. Um, but going into it, obviously, there was a lot of fallout from the Chelsea game, like Romero suspended, Van der Ven hamstring snapped. Um, Madison done for the for the year, calendar year. And uh, I feel like there was one more um, key kind of injury. Richarlison had surgery. That was it. Um, mm-hmm. On his pubis. That uh, seems to be the only region he's scoring with these days. <laughs> does seem to love that life, to be fair. It's, uh, he major. does. He does. He does. Maybe he'll even add some of these women's tattoos on his back. Maybe like lower back or like just anywhere else. Maybe even his face. I mean, he likes getting tattoos of faces, so who knows? Um, what he needs to do is face his front and score some goals. But... 80 million, brother. <laughs> <laughs> How oh. naive. How naive, eh? <laughs> I sure remember <laughs> the other um, injury. Oh, a doggy suspended. Um, yeah, another big yeah. one, to be fair. So we're going into this with a very makeshift squad. Was there anything in particular that you so wanted to see from the lineup against Wolves? Uh, um, honestly, I didn't have any particularly positive feelings just because uh, I always knew whatever we were going to do was going to be makeshift. So uh, in my mind, I thought if Davies isn't 100% fit, then we've got to go. I didn't ever feel that we would ever go with um, Dorrington or Phillips, and I always thought that it would probably be Dyer. So when we found, uh, sorry, Hoiberg, excuse me. So when when we found out that Davies had actually um, been passed as fit, but had only interestingly been involved in gym work, <laughs> um, it yeah, it dawned on me that we would um, be returning to a uh, centre-back partnership. Or... Yeah, surely I was thinking you would probably want Phillips to start. I mean, he looks just like Rio Ferdinand. Like, can you not tell from the, the, the skin complexion? <laughs> For context, yeah. by the way, that was a dig at people who have compared Brennan Johnson to Delhi on the Twitter. And then uh, I think it was a higher that clap back at those people. And Sight, yeah. Sight um, some, um Some real dummies in the fan base but yeah um apologies I mean, I mean as as yeah we kind of realized from the beginning of that of that game we were going to be going with a, a back line of Dyer and Davies and um a midfield which included Hoiberg which to me feel feels or will always feel like a Bermuda triangle um of ball possession um <laughs> So, yeah, that was uh, my feelings. And to be honest with you, you know, a lot of people would said, oh, Wolves uh, have not been that good and we've been playing well. 
And honestly, for the first, because I rewatched the game again in the week, for the first 14 minutes, yeah, I felt like a lot of what people had said had a fair amount of validity. I felt like um, we controlled a lot of that play in the first sort of 14 minutes. Um, I felt like we looked comfortable in possession uh, and we were pulling them out of areas that they uh, were not comfortable in going. Um, but oddly, once that first attack that came um, through the middle, whereby uh, Dyer went to meet our, one of their midfielders um, in an attempt, a pathetic attempt, to try and meet the ball in the midfield, um, to which he uh, left open a gap and Davies pulled him out of a real big hole with actually a very good block. It all seemed to just go out the window from there. It all seemed to go out the window from there. Yeah, hopefully we don't repeat the same kind of theme on this part. I feel like we've had a really upbeat, nice first six or so minutes. Um as we did uh, in the Wolves game as well. Obviously, we got the early goal for a really nice, neat bit of play. As for the kind of starting lineups, just to wind it back just a little bit, like I, I mean, I was hearing a lot about Hoybier potentially starting as a six. Some corners were even saying at centre back. Definitely didn't want that. I was convinced Ben Davis would make the game because apparently he didn't really even train. So we're giving someone like Ben Davis quarter zone injections to play and start a game for us. Um, hey, it's 2023. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, Emerson mm-hmm. started left back. Not mad at that at all. I thought it was great. V Palace, Poro, right back. Great. Um, I wasn't mad at Hui Big starting as an eight. I've said before, like I think his qualities, um, redeemable qualities, as mm-hmm. few as they might be to some. Um, I thought he could help out there. I thought Bissouma on paper, um, matching it up against uh Wolves' new look midfield, I thought he'd probably be on paper again like the best midfielder on the pitch. Um, but we'll get on to that and then Papsar completing that, bless him, performing very well. And then Kulizewski's son and Johnson making up the front three again, not mad at. I actually had pretty good confidence in. Um, well, I was pretty high in confidence on Brennan Johnson um, starting this game. Obviously, we knew he would have to start after Richarlison announced he would have surgery on his um, pubis. So, yep. uh, first five minutes. So, like, just to kind of get the last bit of our kind of positive energy out, the upbeat energy, talk me through that first goal of ours because genuinely a really good bit of play, no? It was. It was a very good bit of play. Um, it was actually, we we progressed it pretty well, to be honest with you, almost to the point where I think it was a passage of about seven or eight passes, which finally, uh, which actually, before the start of the move, it's, it actually kind of started with, it, sorry, excuse me. We progressed the ball from the back in about seven or eight passes in which it finally got to Johnson on the left-hand channel. Um, which was actually impressive because when it got to him on the left-hand channel, he played it infield to Saar, um, and Saar immediately played um, what looks like a very sort of ambitious pass across mid middle of the 
of the midfield, um, to which Poro dummied, and it finally came back to Kulisevsky. But Kulisevsky was very, very smart. Um, he held the ball up very, very briefly, delayed it so that he could get an overlapping run from Poro, to which he did perfectly, and then actually made the pass with a, like a very smart drag back. Um, and, you know, very successfully managed to end up finding um, across the six-yard box, very typical uh, and Postacoglu-type goal, um, which which resulted in a tap-in at the back post, or in the middle of the goal, really, for uh, Johnson. So, so to be honest with you, it was a very well-worked goal. And actually, uh, based on uh, the amount of time that had been elapsed in the game so far and the way that we had started, it actually looked... Like, actually, um, this is the kind of perfect start that we needed, an early goal, just to, just to set the tone. And even up to that point, we had given uh, Wolves very little possession. They had pretty much not touched the ball up to that point. Um, <sighs> it's just very difficult to see how uh, we can start the game that way, um, especially in those first 15, 18 minutes. And, and to pretty much not play in any way positive, in my opinion, for the remainder of the game. It's, uh... Yeah, so this is what I um, feel really disappointed about because I knew our defence was pony, but I had confidence in us winning the midfield battle for one. And then if we managed to get a goal up, we'd be able to control the game by virtue of the fact that obviously the opposition will have to come on to us. Like, Wolves midfield isn't the same midfield that usually pack us in in the midfield battle game after game for the past like what feels like a decade but yeah that Ruben Neves uh Matinho combination is no more uh you've mm-hmm. got Lamina there who's obviously decent yeah. um I didn't know anything about Bellegarde before they um before he started and Gomez who seemed like a tidy player but again I've not seen much of but Again, like I thought Basuma, Hoybierg and Sol would be enough to win that midfield battle. And it yeah. it only really felt like Saar was um doing anything in midfield. Um and it was just disappointing. Like the the early start didn't foreshadow what the game could have actually been. Um it's it was just weird how Wolves really just took control of the game. From then on, like it, it was a case like for me, we just didn't. It sounds like a cliche Roy Keane type thing to say, but we didn't win any loose balls first or second at no. all. And there was a lot of favorable opportunities to do so. Like, I felt like we had cornered in their midfielders several times and didn't really give them a passing lane, didn't give them a way to win the ball. The ball was actually more favorable for one of our players to win it, but yet. It just evaded us almost every single time, apart from like Saar on the other occasion. Um, yeah, just talk me through your thoughts, which kind of played out for the rest of the the half. Yeah, honestly, it, uh, I think there's two aspects of this that I was really annoyed about. First aspect, I just felt like in general, especially um, as we ended the half, it, it just felt very uncharacteristic of an Anfoscoglu side. We were out, bat- we were out battled. For a lot of the game, a lot of the game, we were out battled. Um, we were second to pretty much everything. Um, we got hounded by um, their press, pretty much whenever that whenever they could get the opportunity to hound us, they did. 
and any any sort of mistake that we made, they were able to capitalize in a way that would put them into an attacking sort of area. Um, so that's the first point. And the second point, I think I think Gary O'Neill is actually a very decent tactical manager. I think despite us being, in my opinion, what we would say um, superior in terms of our quality and probably how we were, we, were, we, were, we were progressing to start the game, I think he set up in a way that put us on the back foot. Um, he knew really where the, um, the weak points were. So, you know, there was a lot of gaps that we attacked, that they attacked uh, in behind our fullbacks, who were obviously inverted. Um, obviously, without uh, Udogi uh, and Emerson, you know, not being 100% at it. Um, and obviously, as well, uh, with the indecisiveness and indecision sometimes of Dyer and Davies, who I felt initially started well. But as the pressure started to build and I started to see our six and our eight drop deeper and deeper and deeper throughout the game, it kind of made me feel that actually, whilst we are not particularly playing well, the way he has set, uh, the way Gary O'Neill had set up um, them to play was a real positive way. And you have to give him credit. Um, I, I kind of felt um, that he's played fairly well at home this season. Um, I, I did recently watch the Man City game because I was a bit baffled as to why this Wolves team were able to keep them out. And actually, the way that they set up was, again, very similar to Spurs. They gave them very little space. They made it very difficult um, in transition and they constantly flooded the attacking areas, which effectively led to both their goals today and even their goal against uh, Man City on the day that they won. So it's very difficult to to sit here and, and put it down to one specific thing. I think there's a number of different things, but towards that first half, it felt like their goal was definitely coming. Um, it definitely felt like their goal was 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 due. Um, we put ourselves under a lot of pressure, made lots of little errors. And whilst there weren't really clear-cut chances, they were getting into areas that were, that were constantly dangerous, in my opinion. Um, and I kind of hoped, maybe in the second half, that it would change a little bit. But honestly, it didn't. Yeah, I was just trying to think like if we had it didn't. <laughs> any any kind of prolonged spell of possession, even in the second half. But no, it very much felt like a kind of Conte slash Stellini performance slash Mourinho slash um, the man who shall not be named because he doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And um, it was just really weird and disappointing again. Like we again continue to lose duels so they were very good ball carriers in um in the midfield to be fair like it just managed to create enough space and managed to obviously get their wing backs to trust themselves to bomb forward and commit themselves with little risk of a turnover and honestly it didn't feel like we had any moments and i still remember i think um you must have been at work during the live thing of the game like how are we playing and we were all like mutually like this is honestly horrendous and not in a way that you would imagine because i felt like we made a few um good defensive actions when we had to especially ben davis um dyer like (laughs) just for the 90 minutes um made a few good challenges and a couple of decent blocks here and there um got away with one or two things as well but um like i said in these post-match press conference they didn't actually have 
many kind of clear chances. There was a loose ball which fell to Huang um, Huang Chan that he really should have hit the target with. I don't know how he didn't. It kind of just fell oh. to him loose in a set piece. And I thought I was just expecting it to hit the back of the net. Absolutely, absolutely. I was expecting that one too as well. Um, again, like like you said, not really massively clear chances, but chances that are just like uh, they're preventable, and we didn't really make it easy for ourselves. Um, I felt like Cunha, he really should have had a number of chances that he should have passed away. A Lemina before his goal, he had an an opportunity in which oh. he should have he should have he, he yeah should he should have shot and he tried to cut it back, didn't he? To... Yeah. Um, the the striker with the uh, longish name, I can't, remember, I can't remember. He had a really what would I say point blank header, and he just headed it essentially back where it came from. It's just uh, I don't know. Like sometimes I think about what we look like from a defensive perspective, but then I feel like the game was um, this this feeling that I have about our defensive setup was massively exacerbated by personnel. Massively. Um, whilst I feel like Ange is extremely comfortable and seems particularly okay with giving up um, certain areas and uh, obviously like we know the numbers have said, the amount of chances and shots we've had on our goal has been a fair number, but I still do feel that like it's massively dependent. Uh, Van der Ven, uh, Romero, a Udogi, their ability to close down spaces quick, their ability to play out under possession, their ability to be calm in possession makes a massive difference when you're up against it. And I, and I think on, on another day, having those three in there make a massive, massive difference to how we, how we would have looked. Um, but as the game went, as the game went on, um, Dyer, Davies, their confidence seemed to seem to reduce, and as their confidence reduced, we, we got deeper and deeper, and opportunities became um, a bit more scarce for us um, from an attacking perspective. And um, it was weird because I kind of felt up to the 90th minute that we might nick this. <laughs> I, I was I managed to get home for that sort of a uh, middle part of the second half, and I looked at the game and I was thinking. If we nick this, this is not a bad result. Um, so uh, the passage of play that led to the goals just don't know. Before we get on to that, um I wanna talk about Basuma. And yeah, yeah, that, I agree that, with yeah. you where we definitely miss um the centre backs, especially when it comes up to not just our defensive actions and holding a high line, but obviously just being able to play out from the back. Mm-hmm. We lacked that a lot with Davis and Dyer, but Basuma, who has been kind of having a bit of a drop in form recently, even with yeah. Van der Ven and Romero playing, what did you kind of make of his performance versus uh, Wolverhampton? I've not been impressed with him. Uh, I've not been impressed with him. I think back to the game after the international break, um, which was Crystal Palace away. And I remember we had a, a ratings uh, patron piece. I just, uh, I don't know. I, at this point in time, um, I've read lots of stuff and listened to lots of stuff, uh, podcasts and news things. And sometimes I can't really work out where I am right now. Um, 
I can't work out whether he is carrying an injury or whether this is just a drop in form. But ever since that game, um, Chris Palace away, he just hasn't played well. Um, I don't think he was very impressive in the Chelsea game. I don't think he was very impressive in, in that Crystal Palace game. I don't think he was very good again um, in this game against Wolves. I'm a little bit upset just because I feel from a build-up perspective, um, him and Madison have always been massively important in our first in our first phase pr- progression. Mm-hmm. And um, especially with Madison not being available and him obviously doing what he does in terms of coming deeper to receive the ball in between the defensive and the midfield sort of thirds. Um, I was kind of hoping that because of his press resistance uh, and his ability on the ball, that he would have maybe taken a bit more of an onus um, in possession to try and help us build. But honestly, he didn't. Uh, He didn't. Um, And that I felt like that played a part because um, obviously without a player like Madison, you kind of want to make sure that you're in an, you're in a position to be able to actually build up in, in the first phase. Um, but if you're not going to do that, and I don't particularly trust uh, Hoiberg's ability to do so, and I don't feel like um, Saar is a first phase player. So to be honest with you, the onus was on Davies and Dyer to play out from the back and break break lines with their passing, or for them to use someone like Basuma. And disappointingly, um, uh, you know, he just didn't he just didn't perform. Um, on top of that, uh, he got himself yellow carded, so he's suspended for the game against uh, this game against uh, <laughs> Villa at home. So it just compounds again uh, a lot of the form. That I've kind of seen from him, like I, I sometimes as well. I'm not sure whether I'm watching him underperform at the moment because in the beginning part of the season, I felt like he was performing very well, almost almost overperforming. And I'm looking at him now, and I can't work out what his level is because it feels like he started really well, and I feel like this isn't even like an average performance he's giving us. He's giving us, in my opinion, poor performances, um, especially because of what the six is required to do. Hmm. Uh, so maybe uh, a theory could be that he was almost a forgotten commodity to opposition teams and then like the first four or five games of the season like oh shit like this guy can play like we almost forgot and then uh they've actually made um concessions to to deal with him and well this is it you see. this is why i think no, no, like I, I actually agree with this as well. And this is, again, another point why I feel like Gary O'Neill, I think he's a very astute tactical manager. Um, I think uh, this season, uh, teams have set up in lots of different ways against us. But uh, one way in which Gary O'Neill has managed to do so is that he does play it with a two where Cunha and Huang basically occupy the spaces um, or the space uh, with the two centre-backs and then the six. So he basically always allows one centre-back to be occupied with one attacker and then the second uh, attacker, he will occupy either the second defender or the six. And to be honest with you, those two being in those areas, it gave those back that back three hell because it either meant that you had Davies and Dyer who are not massively progressive, lots of pressure. And then it also meant that when Basuma wanted to get on the ball, he was constantly pressed, constantly pressed. 
Um, so, uh, you know, his out balls being Poro, Saar, Hoiberg, you know, it's, it didn't really give us much in terms of an out ball. Um, and again, that's reflected in how little ball we managed to get into the final third, how little ball we managed to get into Sun's feet. Um, and how little few chances we had, which is obviously reflected in the numbers when you look at the game as well. Yeah, that's fair. And um, again, like before we get onto the Wolves equaliser and obviously what happened beyond the tragic 90th minute, I wanted to kind of talk about a point of the game where I felt the game really swung. Um, not just mm-hmm. taking Sar off, which um, so came on the 63rd minute. Benson Co came on and um mm-hmm. that's fine. He didn't look bad. I was um wanted to talk about his cameo shortly, but on the mm-hmm. 76th minute, Basuma came off for Lacelso and Huibieg then moved to six. And Huibieg wasn't having a good game at eight. Um couldn't really get anything going apart from one like marauding uh run, which saw him like almost playing Brennan Johnson for like a half chance and he had to like take it first time because the ball was just a little bit uh, under hit, um, which again was another theme of the game from our players. And yeah. Um, yeah, like I've, I've said many a time and obviously quite a lot of us have said many a time that like how Hoybjerg cannot play just in this team in general, but, I've had it where, okay, I think he can do a job as an eight, but definitely not as a six. We're in this position now where I don't think we're going to sell this guy in January. Like I feel like he's more than likely going to stay till the end of the season, at least. Um, and I just wanted to get your honest thoughts on him. Obviously, you seem like slandered from pillar to post. It is fun. Um putting it on Tobias as his boy. But mm-hmm. just that aside, like, what are your kind of just honest, general, overall thoughts on the Viking? I just think he's a very poor player. Um, like, I think uh, he once had a he once had a, a role. Um, he had a position in which he played for us. Um, he was trusted by Jose, he was trusted by Conte. But like when you see him in roles like this, uh, he just there's lots about his game that that can be really looked at that you like. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, how many times am I going to keep complaining about this? How many times are you going to keep seeing this? For someone who is supposed to be so experienced, the amount of uh, blame that he has to pass, the amount of responsibility that he shows, it's baffling at this point. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, we always knew that with our smallish squad, that was always going to be tight. So someone like him, I always felt would be a good squad player. And people can say to me, well, he's probably someone who should be playing at, high, at, at a better level, higher level when starting. That's absolutely fine for him. 
But for where we're at now, I don't think he's at the level where he should be starting for us. Um, and unfortunately, this horrible situation that we've had with our injuries has led us to this. Um, personally, I don't think he was very good um, as an advanced sort of eight against Wolves. Um, and when he went into six, again, you know, you watch him, you watch his defensive actions, even his movements on the ball as well. Yeah, you kind of question it, especially as an experienced pro. Uh, you're looking at the moments in the 90th minute when, you know, we win the foul and you want him to slow the game down, take a moment, put your foot on the ball. It's, you tell this to, to 15-year-olds <laughs> on a Sunday and um, he gives the ball immediately away uh, to put us under more pressure. Yeah. Uh, that short free kick is horrendous and especially when you think yeah. back to not only is he being coached by Ange now if you go back to early on his career this guy used to be coached by Pep how he is he making these Pep. decisions no, he's, like he's not played... even just the decision making the positional awareness that like, honestly it's, it's, really it's mental it's, it's mental and uh, you know even you go to the, like the, the goal that we considered the first one he almost puts his hands up in a way to be like I don't want the ball to touch my hand so because of that, I won't, I won't do anything. I'll just, you know, put my hands up and move out of the way. Uh, lots of different things about this player. But at, at this point, I think this is where we're at, Owen. Uh, we have got our, our squad is on bare bones. And um, this is just where we're at with, with, with the squad. We can't really be, um, you know, the old saying, beggars can't be choosers. This is, this is literally who we have that's left. And, uh, I don't think Ange will be in a position to let let him go in January just because we already know that the constraints the squad's going to be against with the African Nations Cup. We already know that Madison's, mm. Madison's out for a significant period of time. So <laughs> it's going to be very stretched. It's going to be very stretched. And there's going to be players who won't be used to playing a lot or haven't been used to playing a lot this season that are going to be asked to step up unless we step into the market. But again, I, my feeling about the market is that we probably won't do. So players like Hoiberg, players like Hill, players like the Chelsea, players like Skip, they're just going to be the ones that step up. Yep. Um, I'm not even that confident in Skip either. This is someone who we talked about is like the next one up and will be probably a solid starter by now from when we first mm -hmm. started talking about him two or so years ago um yeah. following his loan spot Norwich um yeah it's a shame he hasn't kicked on it's it's a really weird one to kind of go over but I'm sure we'll go over it at a future stage but yeah cool it just sounds like you don't see a role for Hoiberg in the team at all but have no. accepted it's inevitable that he will have to which absolutely. is fair enough that's fair enough absolutely. um so you mentioned the first goal there in that assessment of Hoiberg. Amongst that short free kick was just horrendous. Mm -hmm. um, the equalising goal, like, just the game management in general from the 90th minute onwards, literally ticked over to the 90th minute as um, I think Dyer ended up playing the ball down the line or attempting to. Um, how would you break down that goal? Um, it's disappointing. Um, I'd say avoidable as well. Um, but it was also special. Goal is a very special goal. Mm. Uh, I think if Sarabia tries that, I mean, he's a pro. He tries that, 
100 times, he maybe does that four or five times, maybe, maybe, you know. Um, uh, I just feel like, they, you know, they analyse it on match of the day as well. But then you also look at it and you think the 90th minute, Dyer has it on that flank. Again, this is sometimes where, again, I, I look at the way in which we are playing and I think under Ange, where does the buck stop in terms of, on one hand, do we have to compromise the way that we play and do we have to also be pragmatic? So even in that 90th minute, Dyer has the ball on the right flank. And if you watch the pass he attempts to make, there's no passing angle to anyone in between himself and Kulusevski. So mm. his only his only real pass in, the, in that passing channel is to try and go straight through or long to Kulusevski. Now, interestingly, in the 90th minute, whilst being 1-0 one, one up, you actually watch Kulusevski's run and his angle of run. He's actually trying to get him behind. He doesn't even meet the ball. He, he completely gets what Dyer is doing completely wrong. Dyer wants to get the ball to him to feet. He thinks the ball is going over the top in behind. So he almost runs ahead of the ball. Dyer actually doesn't even execute the pass. He passes the ball straight out. This is the moment in which I now think we need we now need to activate. I need now my fullbacks to now drop a bit a bit deeper quickly. And I need Dyer to drop in because he's now in this right hand channel. Mm. Gary O'Neill, very smart. He's an ex pro. Managed to get the ball back on the pitch quickly. Gets the ball to the fullback. The fullback delivers the ball. Dyer's still on the channel. He's still on the channel with him. Delivers the ball through Hoiberg. Sarabia, admittedly, his touch and his finish is it's excellent. Like it's, it's excellent. It's a brilliant goal. Mm. But in my opinion, I just think in the 90th minute, it's preventable and it's disappointing. Um, just because of the manner of it to go. It's a frustrating one. Um, and from this moment, I now would have hoped as well that like some of these mistakes, we would have maybe just tried to learn from them. Because I know it is a young team and there will be some times where you're going to have to suck it up a little bit. And like people seem to say, people seem to be saying at the moment, sometimes you need to know how to suffer a little bit. Because if you can suffer, then you know what is enough to push you to get the result that you need. And sometimes suffering well is actually a trait that like top teams have got to kind of build up. You've got to build this sort of stuff up. Yeah. But it, it feels like um, as a young team, we're not suffering well. And every time we do get into a, a, a spot of bother, it's actually being fairly detrimental to us. And detrimental even further, perhaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. To the point whereby you're going into a game um, thinking you've had all these number of suspensions and you've had all these injuries and you almost come away with the game. Um, but in six minutes of utter chaos and utter madness, in which I think we really do not thrive, we really do not thrive, um, we can see two goals in which, again, arguably are are massively preventable. Massively preventable. Mm. Um, the fact that Lamina goes through un, unaided, un, there's there's no pressure, nothing. He goes through unaided. Uh, it's just... But it's just it's a sequence just... of play that even led to that action. 
which left me scratching my head every time I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a just a sequence of watching players turn around and say, "Here you go. This is your problem now. Here you go. This is your problem now. Here you go. This mm-hmm. is your problem now." And that was the most disappointing thing because in that sequence you saw exactly the opposite of what Ange kind of came in and wanted when he first joined. You know, he spoke a lot about players taking more responsibility to a man each. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously now we just have to work like more as a team, more as a unit. Now we've lost the best striker in, in premiership history, in the club's history. So it's really um, just mind-blowing how... Huybeg then attempts to pass to Lo Celso. He's obviously got someone pressing him. It was an under-hit pass as well. Like, if he had just fizzed it straight in, like that might have been manageable. Um, Emerson finds himself with the ball, doesn't release it. Um, it gets turned over. I'm not even sure if I'm saying the sequence in order because my brain is so fried as we've just ticked over to midnight, but... I just remember the ball getting out wide and just as Lamina runs in, Dyer, the failsafe, who, if he had just gone with the runner, would have probably just been able to sweep it back out with ease. Yeah. Instead, he steps up slowly. I mean, he might have been tired at this point, but I mean, it's just insane considering how you were caught lacking for the first goal as well. Um and then it was just there for Vicario to pick out of his net and he's wondering what the fuck just happened. It's it's remarkable that goal as well because what's crazy is that at one point in that in that goal, right? I remember watching it and I paused it. And as Lamina is shooting that ball, there is three Wolves players in the box and there are nine Spurs players in that box. Nine. <laughs> There are nine Spurs players in that box. Oh, as the ball is entering the net, there are nine players in that box. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you have five of them pretty much next to each other. Pretty much next to each other. You have Dyer, who's just behind Lamina. You have Poro. And you have Vicario on the back post. And then in the middle, you've got Doherty, Cunha, Bentinko. And on the left, you've got Wang. I remember thinking, this can't be positive because in the 90th minute, one player has managed to run from the flank and make one pass that has cut through essentially four, four or five guys in which it's cut through those four or five guys. And there's one guy who is through, but he's completely on his own. He's completely on his own. So to me, you know, that is not only a lack of concentration, but it's also it's also poor judgment from us because we're not picking up players. What's even more hilarious about this goal is that <laughs> oh, I mean, what's even more hilarious about this goal is that as that ball is being struck, you can just you can go to it. It's on YouTube. It's uh, it's on Spurs Play. Go to it. As that ball is being struck, being struck by Lamina, Dyer is clearly off the pace. He's nowhere near Lamina, and at that exact point, you can go and look at the video. Hoiberg is literally stood with his hands wide like he's Jesus. Like, it's it's mental. It's absolutely 
mental. I thought that was for the first goal. Was he doing it for the second as well? For the second goal. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's 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 astonishing. It's astonishing. But this is just where we're at. This is where we're at, you know. Unfortunately, there's going to be a number of personnel that are going to be in this team that we're not going to be able to rely on. And um, unfortunately, uh, we can we can keep ringing this bell to the to the cows come home. But um, if Angie's going to continue to play this way, that's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. And I, and to be honest with you, top managers they never change their style because that's what makes them top managers. However, he needs to understand that the personnel in which he wants to do so with are not the personnel that are going to give him the results that he requires. Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. It's a shame. And ultimately we chucked away all three points, even though we didn't deserve any points. It was just a manner. And... Yeah, I'll, I'll just have to just say Wolves deserved it. I mean, if you include the injury time, they outplayed us for 90-plus minutes. Yeah, straight. They did. Um, they There was only really one moment in the second half where I thought, oh, oh my, that we could actually score. And that was when Ben Tanker managed to win it high up the pitch and pass it through to a tired-ish-looking son who was um, tracked down by, I think it was Tommy Doyle who had just come off the bench, so... So I see just a bit fresher, but I just didn't see Sun like look to attack the space in behind like he normally does. And you just expect him just to take a touch and he's at least like on his left foot and bearing down on goal. But um, he checked back onto his right and then decided to just try and shoot through three players instead. Um, yeah, it's a very a difficult one. one. It's a very difficult one with Sun as well. The way that we've set up this season, he usually occupies the spaces where the two centre-backs are. And by having that space occupied, he pulls them closer towards their goalkeepers. And the reason he does so is because he knows that Madison, he likes to operate in that sort of middle third or on that left sort of channel. When you have no Madison, then you have lots of players playing in like fluid areas. But if you don't even have anyone whose primary role is to receive it in between those lines and to get the ball to him, then you know it almost feels like he's aimlessly running. Aimlessly running, aimlessly pressing. And then when he gets the ball, he's probably too tired because he's been pressing and he doesn't have many people around him. So he's often isolated, forced to cut back, forced to forced to come back from an attacking run that he's made or an attacking dribble that he's made. And I, mm. and ideally, and obviously that is also resultant in the fact that he's not getting much of the ball and also the chances that are created for him will be significantly less than they would be normally, normally when, say, Madison's there. So we had a few good substitute cameos. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say good performance-wise, but was there any stock that you took out of any of the cameos from the Soso, Hill and Ben 10, which made you think, okay, let me um, see something more against Aston Villa? For Ben 10, I think for me personally, I'm not really, I'm not focused on his performances. Um, 
I just need this man to get fit. Uh, and that's not in a negative way. I'm happy that he's actually playing and happy that he's getting on. He really put himself about against Wolves. I was yeah. I was wincing a few times. Like, oh, don't... But this is Please this is the kind of player this is the kind of player he is. You know, he is quite a tenacious sort of guy. He does put himself about, and mm-hmm. honestly, you can tell that he wants to go. But obviously, there's some ropey moments where he's gonna, where he's probably gonna um, not go fully into some of these challenges, and that's probably you know in his own head. So for me, I'm just happy for him to get minutes. Um, Again, I'm happy for Hill and Lachelso Le- to get minutes. Um, Lachelso is a very funny, is a very funny player. He's extremely one-footed, um, likes to receive the ball in certain areas, uh, and I can see why there can be some pros in his game. But then again, as well, you have to then marry that up with where he is at mentally, uh, because he obviously wanted to leave and he doesn't see himself as a starter. Plus. He hasn't had many minutes, so he's not particularly fit, and he's had he's had injuries. Uh, and similarly, uh, I actually think the one out of all three of them who would probably be most suited to what I want to see from a Ange team is is Hill. But again, he hasn't had much minutes, and I thought he did okay. He was bright, um, you know, he's very heavy on his dribbling, uh, very heavy at receiving its feet. But again, you know, um, Wolves made our lives very very difficult in that second half um so him coming on was probably him lachelso and bentonclaw was just to probably to relieve the guys who had been working effortlessly in that first half as well to contend with um wolves uh doggedness and wolves's press uh i, I mean i think i think they did okay uh lachelso got off a really good shot um towards the end that was i think our first shot on, in the half uh on target in the half which mm. which wasn't which wasn't really a positive um however you look at it but i mean these guys are gonna have to step up now they're just gonna have to um you know i can envisage uh Lichelso probably probably starts against villa uh with uh, madison and basuma now out um and i imagine if that's the case then hill will probably be one of the attacking options um to come on if uh, Kulusevsky or uh, Johnson are uh, not in in the right in the right frame, and I imagine uh, Benton Kuhl, again, he'll probably get some minutes if um, Saar comes off or Hoiberg comes off in the next game as well. Yeah, I mean, um, even Hoiberg was having good substitute cameos, but I mean, just as a starter, it's not worked. Um, yeah, fair assessment from all of them, I think. I would be very encouraged and tempted to start uh, Ben Sankar versus Aston Villa, especially Bissouma being suspended. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to preview that on next week's pod. Obviously, we'll have to stretch out content just that little bit during the international break because that's that's how it goes. The international break is just a drag. Um, yeah, I think that'll sum up um i think that just perfectly sums up that game to be honest i was going to talk about our man of the matches but felt a little bit um pointless i mean for me i just thought ben davis can hold his head high it's hard to pick out someone who i could literally just say word for word our man of the match but for me players that can hold their head high ben davis uh poro and uh that ben Tanker cameo was actually quite um quite encouraging purely just because he was really as i say like 
putting himself about a lot. He had moments of quality on the ball. Um, mm -hmm. Went back a few times and nearly got an assist, a uh, decent assist for Sun. Um, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, like, uh, you know, it's a frustrating one. Um, two losses on the bounce. Uh, late goals conceded, despite all the different um, circumstances. Um, not particularly positive uh, performances in terms of how we've attacked and progressed the ball. Uh, we've seemed to look far from what we've been doing really well this season. Um, and like I mentioned in the group, but I think we need a win. We need to somehow get a win against Villa. Somehow. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, I wouldn't want to say it's going to put us under pressure somehow, but sometimes, like I said, you need to suffer, even if it means suffering just a little bit. Suffer well. Don't come out of this. You know, it's very easy for us to come out of this stretch of games. And some people mm. can say it's easily to, to leave with no points. But I think we need to, like, similarly, there was a game last season that we did where we form um, towards the end of the season, um, going into Brighton at home. And honestly, I remember thinking, oh, we might get hammered here. And we managed to get a win. I mean, we had some fortune in that game. Um, some decent decisions went our way, but we suffered. Uh, Brighton, a very good team, and managed to get ourselves a win that day. So, uh, touch wood, um, you know, we need to rubber the green a little bit, similarly to that game, against a very good Villa side. I mean, a very good Villa side. Uh a top Villa side, you could say. Uh, you know, they're calling Emery um, at the moment on form, uh, the third best coach in the league. Yeah, his Renaissance arc is something quite, um, quite cool to see. And then you realise mm -hmm. they're actually going to be our rivals to qualifying for Champions League football. And absolutely, season. absolutely, it's a very, very tough game. Um, you know, same number of games played. They've had Europe as well. They've had Europe even on top of that. Uh, they're on 25 mm. points. We're on 26 points. Um, so to keep ourselves, you know, close to the pack, we want to win that game. Uh, we want to win that game come Sunday once the international break is done. Are you confident? No, I'm not confident. I'm no. not confident. But I feel like at home, um, we've got some credit with the fans. I feel like um, the Chelsea game, uh, would have given everyone a bit of confidence in terms of how the team fought. And I feel like mm. Villa aren't as strong as they are at home. Um, away from home, I don't feel like they are as strong. Uh, at home, they're extremely formidable. Um, and I feel like we've been pretty formidable at home, despite the chaotic uh, manner in which we lost against Chelsea. I felt the first 20 minutes, oddly again, was very, very positive from us. Um, so I'll be interested to see how we get on against them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we start and how we sustain if we can start well. But no, thank you for a uh, few of you who tuned into the stream. Thank you to those who are going to be listening. If you are still listening, be sure to um, still check us out on our TikTok, on our Instagram, as well as our Twitter, slash X, at New Spurs Order. Uh, shout out to JZR Productions and Coach Dave helping out with that content as well. They're just putting it out at such a high clip at the moment. I, I can barely keep up myself, but please uh, feel free to check it out. 
Uh, shout out to Tops for joining me on this late Friday evening. Um, you're a good man. You could be doing Thank many you. more things on this Friday evening, but yet you're here <laughs> holding uh, your thoughts on Spurs. And we'll always commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Always. And yeah, uh, obviously be sure to catch the audio every Saturday morning. And for now, peace out. And come on, you Spurs. Please don't get any of our players injured on the international break. I beg. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.